Welcome to the 26 West Church Sunday Gathering Podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching helps you experience life in Jesus. Well, my name is Jose, if we haven't met yet, and we are in a series called Following Jesus Together. And that's really what the letter written to this ancient church is about. Uh, Jesus had risen from the grave, and now here they are in a massive, influential city, this small group of 50, 60, maybe 150 max people in a, in a city of three-quarters of a million, possibly. And they're trying to figure out how they follow Jesus together, just like here we are 2,000 years later, still trying to figure that out. And uh, we've looked so far, this is week three, so far that before there is a letter, there is a life. Don't forget that. Everything that we're going through now stems from the life of this young man, Saul from Tarsus, also known as Paul, whose life is radically changed when he encounters the risen Jesus, who's really alive. And because of his encounter with Jesus, not only is his mindset changed, but his mission's changed, and he goes from the person who's murdering Jesus' people to the loudest proclaimer of good news. And the same could be said for us. We're, we're praying that your following Jesus amps up this year, that you're more in love with him, and out of the overflow of your life in God, you will have a letter called your life, and that what you do with your life will make a difference, not just because you're trying to work for God, but you're working from the presence of God, and there's a huge difference. And we pray that for you. And then out of that, we just looked at the intro. There's the person called Paul, but then he writes to the church. And last week we looked at the church is God's people together. We're set apart for these special purposes. There are things that God has designed for his kids. And, and whenever we think about church, we were reminded last week, we're not supposed to think about a building or a time slot or a name or a logo or an orange sweatshirt, because I know some of you are struggling. Some of you are struggling right now. He looks like a pumpkin! <laughs> Tis the season to be jolly. But we are the church. That is, we are the called out people. Like Israel was called to be the light to the nations. They had the good news of God living inside of them, working through them. Now we are Jesus' people, and church really matters, not just the big C church, the, you know, the I'm part of the global thing, absolutely, but it's to the church of God where? In Corinth. A real church, a real group of people confronting real issues in their day, sharing real good news. And so God changes lives he builds these lives into communities called the church. And now what we want to do today is just look at the rest of the introduction. And then next week we're going to get into the big challenge that they were facing and that we are still facing today. That is next week. Today, just the introduction. We'll do it this way. Let's just read all of verses 1 through 9. So I'm going to invite you, if you're able to stand, to stand one more time. Get the, get the blood flowing. And uh, let's, let's read 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll read 1 through 9. I'll read it out loud. You don't have to read it along out loud unless you choose to uh, just keep up with me, okay? Here we go. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, 
to the church of God in Corinth. Notice, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And now we're going to read and reflect on these verses, verses 3 to 9. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said, amen. Sit if you want, stand if you want. I don't care. This is good stuff. <laughs> but if you stand, you really stand out, especially with the wide camera shot. Like, oh, there they are. Um, so thank you for sitting. All right. So it's a person, Paul. It's a church, a, a group of Jesus people in a secular city, in an influential city. And they're struggling along, trying to follow this way of Jesus. And, and letter writing in the ancient world, some of us are reading this like, what's the nuance? He's writing exactly as everyone would write. You would always write in an ancient letter your name, who's writing, who you're writing to, to the Church of God in Corinth. And then you do some sort of thanksgiving at the beginning, and then you get into the meat of it, right? Just like we would do in old school if you're typing out a letter, the date, the, to, the address, the to sir, madam, or the name, and then you, you start with something nice. But even in this, even in this like standard letter writing, the overflow of Paul's life with God just drips out because it's not a fluff opener. And as a matter of fact, it is the setting of everything he's about to say. He begins in a certain way for a certain reason. We want to reflect on that as we think about some tough stuff. By the way, if you've read this letter in full, you realize there's a lot of growing to do. There's a lot of things that are not going well in their following of Jesus. There's a lot of issues that need to be corrected. There's some things that need to be encouraged, but mostly it's a letter of correction. By the way, this isn't the first letter. Paul's writing this in response to a letter they had written him. They're going back and forth in a pre-digital age. Remember when you put stamps on things and they didn't have stamps? They had couriers who would physically take the letter and go on a boat to deliver a piece of mail. This really mattered, and the relationship really mattered. And notice how he begins. Grace and peace. Just say it with me. Grace and peace. One more time. What? Grace and peace. Now, what's, what's grace? Um, he, he could open it any way he wanted, but grace is God's favor, God's help, God's care that we don't deserve. The first word to the church before he gets into the things he really wants to say is grace to you and peace. Grace to you, God's favor, God's help, God's care to you. And this is a telling word 
Whenever we're thinking about the things that we want to see each other grow in, where does it begin? It begins with God's grace. It doesn't begin with the problem. It begins with God's solution. And we need to remind each other as brothers and sisters, look, we're all trying to grow. We're all in process. We're all in the, uh, uh, climbing the hill and finding ourselves in the valley. We're all over the place when it comes to our discipleship to Jesus. But the word to us now and always is grace. God's care God's love be to you. And in our culture, grace has just like become generic, you know? It's just like, oh, you know, give them some grace. Like they need a break or everyone's like trying to figure it out. But I want us to remember grace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Nine times in this introduction, Paul says the word Jesus. Like it, Jesus is over, this is the intro. Jesus, Jesus, where does grace come from? Yes, God the Father. But how do we get God's love and care? And in our world and in the church, we need to be reminded the source of grace is God the Father, but the means by which God the Father gives us his love, his care, his help, is his son Jesus. We must always be and remain a Jesus people. Not just a church people, not just religious people, but distinctly in our culture that's saying whatever, whenever, whoever you want to follow, however you want to follow, you do you. We say, that's a great idea, but I'm going to stick with Jesus because me doing me doesn't get me anywhere. And me doing me falls and fails. And me trying harder doesn't get me to my destination. But I thank God that I don't have to make my life my life. I could submit my life to the leadership of who? Of Jesus. And therein I find grace. Hey, being religious sounds good, but it's exhausting, isn't it? We want to be a people who are extending the message that God's love and care and favor is freely given to people who don't deserve it. He's looking for people who will receive his kindness and his grace. So his first word to them is grace to you. Now, why could Paul say that? We, we looked in, in week one. It's because Paul was a murderer of Christians. And God turned a murderer into a miracle worker. And miracles were done through Paul like few had ever seen since the, since the resurrection of Jesus. And if God could do that for Paul, his word to the church was he can do it for you. And that's a word for some of us to be reminded of. Look, you came from, and you did, and you were. But the moment I trust in Jesus, my life is actually changed. The old is gone and the new has come and this is from God. And his grace to you is real. So don't minimize what God wants to do through you just because you may have a few bags in the past. I would recommend see them as bags that should be let go of. We can't forget that it happened. We, we can't like just erase the memory, but we can let the impact of the past be in the past because now we're alive in Christ. And you've been given grace and I've been given grace. We're grace-filled people. Man, we haven't even gotten past one word. This is so good. Grace to you. And what? Peace. What's peace? Well, that would be the common uh, greeting in the Jewish community, grace and peace. Peace is harmony, well-being, wholeness. Uh, this word grace, arene, was the word when they translated the, the Bible, the Old Testament that we call, when they translated that into Greek so that people could read it, 
because at this point, many, even who were in the Jewish faith, didn't read Hebrew well. When they translated it into Greek, this is the word shalom, God's wholeness and goodness. What God had at the beginning that was broken because of our rebellion and sin, God's bringing his presence and his wholeness and grace and peace to you. And, and, and notice, it is all in and through Jesus. It's not generic. It's not through anything or anyone or any way. It's in and through Jesus. It's why it continues, verse four. I always thank my God for you because of his grace, not your own, given to you in Christ Jesus. For in Jesus, you've been enriched. So grace isn't just the forgiving love of God for our past sin. No, God's grace is building into you, enriching you in every way. How? With all kinds of speech and knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Paul had preached the good news. They responded in faith. And now he's in this relationship. He's there for 18 months. And now he's traveling, planting more churches. And he's keeping in touch. And he's saying, look, I see the evidence of God's grace in your life. And I think the same thing could be said for, for my 12-year story, almost 12 years. In Easter of next year, we turn 12. I just see the evidence of God's goodness, God's love, God's care, God's presence all over your life. You are growing. You feel like, oh, no, I'm not. You don't know me. Yes, you are. You are being changed by the Spirit of God living within you. And so we've been enriched in every way. As this church has been enriched in every way, we have been given everything we need for life and godliness. It's in Jesus. And this is good news. So why the setup? This almost seems like, like a passive-aggressive, because he's about to slam them real fast. But I want us to see this. He begins by reminding them of what's theirs because of Jesus. Grace, God's presence, love, care, and God's peace, his wholeness, his well-being, his health is now being built into my life, and all of it revolves around Jesus. Next week, we're going to see that it's easy to lose that simplicity of faith and get caught up in secondary things. But for today, I want us to look at two things really quickly. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. We're going to take a long time to look at two things. I might as well be honest. Two things that I want us to see in this intro that ought to mark our approach to conflict. Because all of us are going to experience conflict at times. Some of you are in conflict right now, maybe in your community group, maybe in your own family situation, could be at work, whatever the case. How do we navigate Hard times in light of Jesus. Two things. One, we thank God for what he has given. Verse four, I always thank my God for you. By the way, this church is giving him trouble. We're going to see as we move along. Some in this church are saying, Paul's not really an apostle. We should listen to these other people. We should reject Paul. Some people are, are dogging him, saying, if, if he's a man of God, why does he suffer so much? He's saying we've been given every blessing. Why is Paul thrown in jail? He can't be from God. So there's all sorts of disarray. Church is always messy. And those of you who've been around church for a long time, I can see your smile right now because you know. It's always messy. There are always issues. But are we going to be the kind of people who are going to focus on the issues that need God's presence, God's care, God's love? Or are we going to see the big picture? No, we're filled with grace 
and peace, and we're going to remember the good that God has done. Now, most of the letter is going to be a correction, but I thank God that there is this, this both and. I hope you have people in your life who are reminding you of God's grace and peace, what he's doing in you, and at the same time are willing to drill into the things that are unlike Jesus. And we want to see both. You see, because Paul starts this way. He starts by seeing the church for who they are because of Jesus before working through how they're behaving. Let me repeat that for a second. Paul starts by seeing the people in the church for who they are because of Jesus before he gets into or working through how they're behaving. And, and friends, this is a telling thing. He, he reminds him, you're the ones who've been called in Jesus. You're filled with God's presence. You have his grace. You have his peace. Notice verse 5. In him you've been enriched in every way. God had already called them in their past. He was already working in them. And the Corinthians uh, needed to be reminded, every good thing that is in Jesus is now in you. Now, what does this tell us? Write this down. We ought to see people through the lens of thanksgiving. And that's now, some people are just hard to thank God for. Let's be real. It's like, Lord, why? Why are they in my world? Or, Lord, when is this season going to end? You know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But when we're thinking about conflict or challenges or change that needs to happen, and that's most of the letter, I wonder if we could begin by seeing people just through the lens of thanksgiving. Rather than immediately jumping into flaws, Paul starts in his intro with an honest, grateful thanksgiving. And he thanks, he thanks God for specific things. Notice, it's not just this generic, I'm glad you're in my life, sort of. No, he says, with all kinds of speech. Now, what's, what's going on here? Well, the Corinthians, they've been known for a church that was full of the Holy Spirit, and within the small fledgling churches that were growing up all over the Roman Empire, Corinth had a particular reputation for being people filled with prophecy. Now, people traveled because of trade from city to city, so even we're going to see next week, Paul finds out about what's happening in Corinth by people going back and forth from where he is, Ephesus at the time, back and forth to Corinth, People went there for trade or schooling, and they would visit the church and then go back, and Paul would ask, how are they doing? And they were a church that was known for the manifestations of the Holy Spirit's presence. So prophecy and tongues and interpretation of, of tongues and discernment. Like when you walked in the room in Corinth and you were in these little churches that met in the home, you left with a sense that God had been with us because God was speaking through his people. And he begins with this word. It's not a slam. I, I thank God that he's gifted and graced you with all kinds of speech. And this is a good thing. Now, he begins with thanking God for how he's moving. But you get to chapters 12, 13, and 14, and you're going to see that they needed a lot of correction. They would gotten a little out of control. Some people were, were not listening to one another rather than talking over one another. And there was so much prophecy or so much tongues going on that if you were a stranger who walked into the church or you were there for business and you invited your friend to a home 
to, to hear about the message of Jesus, it seemed a bit wacky at times or crazy. And, and so there was a lot of room for growth. But notice how he begins by seeing the good. Look, God is working in your church in this unique way. And so we begin by thanking God for what he's given. As we're walking through areas where we're in conflict with one another or we disagree with one another, what would it look like if both of us came at it? With, I, I, I'm grateful that you're so passionate about that issue. I'm grateful that you're full of zeal. I'm grateful that, that you're not going to let this slide. I'm grateful that you're bold about it, although you're obnoxious. <laughs> and you don't listen at all. And, and you tend to believe that you're righter than everyone else. By the way, I'm, I'm giving you a reflection of my life. I'm not, I'm not kidding. So their boldness is beautiful, but a, a boldness without love can be very harmful, right? Zeal matters. Some of us are just too passive, too. Whatever happens, happens. Like, no, I know what God wants to do. Let's make that happen. That's beautiful, but that also needs some edges shaved off by the Holy Spirit, right? So you have been graced by God with all sorts of gifts. The Spirit's presence is working through your life, but you know what? It's usually in those areas of giftedness where we need God's grace to correct us and shape us, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to lean in to their letter because God is using the apostle to help speak truth into their life, but we're going to all the while be thinking about what's he doing in our lives and the very graces on our life are where we need grace to keep us from getting out of control or imbalanced. He says, by the way, that's all gifts speaking. And then he says, and with all knowledge or wisdom. If you read chapter 8, which we'll get to uh, in chapter 8, he's going to talk about how they had a misguided view of wisdom. And even though at the beginning of the letter, grateful for your speech, all sorts of manifestations from the Spirit. This is amazing. God's working in and through you, but you need correction. You have all sorts of knowledge. Well, actually, he's going to say in chapter 8, verse 1, that love puffs, I'm sorry, knowledge puffs up. Your so-called knowledge has made you a little arrogant, but love builds up. In other words, he can see the good at the beginning, and then he can go back and bring a loving, corrective word later on. And I think this is going to be so helpful for us. And the beauty is, when we think of Corinth, some of you heard it last week and were like, really? We're looking at maybe 150 people. Let's even be hyper generous. Let's be American. Let's say there were 200 people in the church, right? Probably even weren't. Mostly meeting in homes, 20, 30. If you had a big courtyard, you could maybe fit 50. So they're receiving this letter. They're reading this letter. And they're probably realizing, wow, we have a lot of growing to do. And the good news is, we have a lot of growing to, to do. I was talking with someone in our church this week, and, and they were talking about just the nature of their community group. And they were sharing, honestly, this is a, a dear friend, and they weren't gossiping, but sharing about this and that and the other. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a lot going on in your group, man. That's, wow, that's a lot. And it made me think, yeah, some things just never change. I mean, this is written to an ancient people, but you might as well say it was written last week because we have all sorts of 
differences, don't we? Whenever we come together in a home, because we're in our community groups, hopefully you picked up your guide and you're ready to walk through the questions, whether it's later this afternoon or this week. But we, we always come into a group with, with some sort of dynamic differences. I mean, our parenting style is all the same, isn't it? No, it's, it's, just, it's just not. And some of us, you know, whether you're on the empty nest side, look at those with the little ones, you're like, wow, how did I make it? You know, and, or like, ooh, I would never do that. And we, we, have to, we have to love one another through our differences. We don't have the same musical choices. We don't have the same sports preferences. We, we certainly don't agree in all things policy or, or politics. Like whenever we're coming together, we're a hodgepodge of all sorts of ideas. And, and Paul's word to the people is even where we need some shaping, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you belong to Jesus, God's empowering presence is in your world. If you belong to Jesus, God's shalom, wholeness, health is actually supposed to be yours. It does, be, it does make a difference in the way we start a conversation where there needs to be talk about some correction or change or understanding that if we begin with thanksgiving. So number one, we, we, we thank God, right, for what he has given. Second thing, though, that we see in the intro is it's not just about thanking God for what he's given. Number two, we count on God for his faithfulness. Notice verse eight. He, God, will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I just, I love that because it's, it shows the sense of timing. Like, I am made perfect because of Jesus Christ. My sin is gone the moment I trust in his death and resurrection. The old is gone, the new has come. I belong to him now. But am I living perfectly? No, I'm not. You're not. We're not. But God is faithful. And, and Paul reminds the church, the end of days is coming. And guess what? You will not keep yourself firmly to the end. You won't. And if you're counting on you, good luck. If you're counting on the community here, good luck. If we're counting on one another, good luck. Now, all that matters, but who am I leaning on? I'm leaning on God's grace and peace, which is mine, yeah. And I'm leaning on his faithfulness, not even my own. Verse 9, God is faithful. You don't get any, get any clearer than that. Who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. One of the, the um, commentators on this passage wrote a, a beautiful little short line. And I love short because I don't understand how to write short, but he writes short. And he writes, it's beautiful. God has called them in the past. God equips them in the present. And God will complete the whole process in the future. Man, isn't that good? Our, our hope is in God. God has been faithful. He has called them. God is equipping them and us now, and God is going to complete it. You see, God's grace covers my past, but God's grace empowers my today, and God's grace keeps me until tomorrow. So there's a tension here. God is faithful, and God's grace and peace are necessary, 
But yet at the same token, he's going to write to them about things they can do. And so what's the right response? Well, it always begins with God. He's the initiator. But I'm called to follow, which is why Jesus told his disciples, follow who? Me. And so there are areas over the next few weeks and months where we're going to be challenged in our following. And we have to ask each other, like, hey, if that's true, is that true of you? Is that true of me? Is this a part of my experience? Is this what I'm leaning into? Or am I avoiding or ignoring, ignoring or denying or working against what God wants to do? I, I, I want to partner with God, but let's not kid ourselves. The Christian life is not a call to you to live out faithfulness and then God rewards you because you did it. That's not good news. No, it's God is faithful, and when I hear his word and I follow his direction, he remains faithful to me even when I am faithless. God's not going to deny himself. God is always faithful. And isn't that good news to this broken world that we're living in where no one feels that they can measure up? No one feels that they're good enough. No one feels that they have it. Yet we can say, you know what? Life is found in Jesus. And when we receive him, we have all that we need to walk with him in this life. And guess what? We get the life to come. And so Paul brackets it with, yes, God's faithful in the past. God's faithful in the now. But God's going to finish it. And this is just a word to you. And if you need to receive it, receive it. If you don't, let your neighbor gobble it all up. God is going to be faithful to you. And he's going to finish what he started in you. You're not going to finish it. Hopefully you partner with him and don't resist him. But you're not going to finish it. God is going to finish his good work in you. And when I come to my challenges with that kind of mindset, and oh, by the way, when I approach my difficulty, my difficulty with you, with that kind of mindset, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for his grace on your life. I'm thankful for the giftedness that you have. I'm thankful for your contribution, and I'm thankful that God is faithful, and he can reshape me. And, and how does he do it? And we'll end with this. The word here is fellowship. Notice how he says here, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with the son. The word here is koinonia. It means participation or sharing. God has called you into participation or sharing with his son. And here's a mind, here's a mind blow for a Sunday morning. What is he talking about? The father is in koinonia, in fellowship, in participation and sharing with the son. And the son is in fellowship, in participation and sharing with the Holy Spirit. And so God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are distinct and unique. They are all God, yet they are one. They are in an eternal relationship that we do not fully understand. But this is what God is like. Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, three persons, working for our salvation. So salvation comes from the Father through the Son by the means of the Holy Spirit. I need the Father. I need the Son. I need the Spirit. And what Paul says which is true of you and true of me and true of our church, is that when we express faith in Jesus, we join in the koinonia of God. We, not just you, 
But we are now united in and with God because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. We've been included into what God is like and what God is doing. Are you God in place of God? No, don't mishear me. But I could say, if you have chosen to follow the way of Jesus, if you have received his gift of forgiveness, you are now in a real relationship, koinonia, with the living God. Which means, unlike God, this is where the analogy breaks down, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are God eternal, and they are perfect in all ways, and we are not. So we have some growing to do, we have some learning, we have some reshaping to do, but don't forget the big picture, God has already included you in Jesus. And now, in Jesus, people, Jesus wants to make Jesus like. By the way, if Paul can use Jesus nine times, I could do it a bunch as well. I'm allowed. We want to become more like him because we belong to him. This is very different than when you get your act together, you're included in Christ. No, we belong, therefore, we want to live like him. Like N.T. Wright says, God called them in the past, equips them in the present. God will complete the whole process. Okay, so two things I want us to think about as we're in our groups this week. We thank God for what he's given. We count on God for his faithfulness. So how does Paul see the church? And here's my word to all of us as we get into some of the hard stuff, starting with next week, divisions, there's fans, there's factions, there's followers. It, it's, it's, a little, it's a little messy. But before it gets to that, we need to learn to see the good in people. If we're going to work through our conflict and we're going to work through our disagreements, I need to begin by seeing the good in you and not just the thing that I don't like. And so there's a time and a place to call each other to a growing discipleship to Jesus. Look, there's a time and a place to say, Jose, this is a gift, but this also is your greatest challenge. And by the way, I have people in my life who are doing that literally right now. Encouraging, thankful, grace and peace, but also, hey, don't forget that. And we all need it, and we never grow beyond that. So how can we, how can we grow in living this way? at least three questions that you and I, we can ask one another, and we're going to tease it out in our group starting this afternoon and into this week. Number one, who are you thankful for? Like, who really? Who are you thankful for? Paul begins with a word of thanksgiving. Can we just encourage you, uh, be specific on who you're thankful for and what about them you are thankful for. This sets the tone. If you're in your group, and before you talk about the stuff that you want to see Jesus reshape, what would it look like if a dozen of you are just thanking God? Like thanking God for real people and thanking God for the grace in their life and the contribution that they've made to you. What happens is my attitude begins to change as I begin with Thanksgiving. And I would encourage you, this week, even now, if you're so inclined, thank them for the difference they're making. This is so funny. Um, Dale and Marianne, I'll put them on the spot, they've been part of our church for a long time, and we found out this morning as we were just chatting beforehand about like just stuff that uh, Marianne and I, were, we were born in the same hospital in, in Brooklyn. 
literally in the same, I didn't know, we're talking, oh, where'd you grow up? Oh, okay, I was, I was born in Methodist Hospital. And we looked on Google Maps to confirm. We were born in the same hospital. And like here we are in, in Portland, Oregon, you know, so many years later, New Yorkers who've been translated. And, um, and, and so that's a beautiful thing. And you know what? I'll, I'll just brag on them because I laughed and chuckled because I knew where this message was ending. But, but they were like, we are so grateful. And they said, to me. And they just said what they were grateful for. And I thought, I'm glad I wore this pumpkin shirt. Uh, I'm feeling better about myself. I, I was encouraged. It's not pumpkin. It's actually um, called hot curry. That's the name brand of it. It's not orange. It's not pastel. It's hot curry. But I digress. <laughs> but something like, is that for real? That's absolutely true. But I was very grateful. What took them 60 seconds set the tone for me to stand here and talk with you. I'm like, Lord, you're so kind. I'm going to be inviting your people to specifically thank people for the grace that has been poured out through them, and they answered it by thanking me without even realizing where I was going. Isn't that kind of cool? How God is gentle and kind enough to when you encourage others, he sends it back your way. So who are you thankful for? I want you to think about those people and talk about it this week. Secondly, where do I need God's grace? In our struggle, in, in our in our reality check, in our self-view, where do we need God's grace? Let's be open. It's okay to talk about points where, in our life where we need to grow. Or where do I need to extend grace? Maybe, maybe it's not a, so much about what you need to receive. Maybe some of us here, we struggle with seeing the good in others. We struggle with extending mercy to others. We're like the person who's been forgiven, you know, from that 5,000 or $5 million debt, and we have a, a tough time forgiving someone from their $5 debt. We've received all of God's grace in our life, yet we see the challenge in everyone else. Look, this is part of our growth in Jesus. We need to remember, as we step into the challenges next week, and we will, that God's word to us begins with grace and peace. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. And our, our worship team's going to come and we're going to respond uh, as we always do. Uh, friends, if you're newer here, if you this morning are in need of prayer for any situation, you know, when we say if you need prayer, it almost seems like, well, I'm in the worst spot off or you don't know how bad I blew it this week. No, 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 no. If there is a burden that you've walked in with and that burden is real to you, God's word to all of us is pray one for another that you may be healed, that you may be whole. And so uh, part of our response is as the worship and the music begins, there are going to be some friends who are going to come to the left and come to the right. And if you would like to receive prayer for something seemingly small, or, or gargantuan in your world, if it matters to you, it matters to God, and it matters to us, okay? So I'm going to invite you to don't waste time. When everyone starts singing, just make your way to the left and the right, whatever's closer, and, and bring that burden to God. He, he wants to give grace and peace. And then in a few moments, we're going to collectively uh, take the bread and the cup 
and we're going to eat and remind ourselves that we really do belong to Jesus. I'm going to thank Him for what He's done for us, but we're also going to thank Him for the people that He's brought in our world. We're going to include that in our taking of communion this morning. So why don't you take your arms and why don't you just stretch them out for a moment. It's your way of saying I'm open when, when I'm like this, I'm closed. When my hands are down, I'm like, uh, who cares? But when my hands are out, I'm ready to receive. And so, Lord, we've come uh, needing you again and again. Lord, grace and peace from you, God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive all that we need from you to us this morning. You know my struggle. You know my burden. You know the weight that I'm carrying. But, Lord, I've come to receive from you. Lord, in the same way with our arms open, we're ready to extend. God, who are the people? Where are the places where I need to extend mercy and forgiveness? Where I need to offer a, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifteenth chance because you've been that gracious with me. God, help me to live and look more like Jesus. Help us to live and look more like Jesus this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of our Sunday Gathering podcast. To learn more about 26 West Church, please visit our website at 26westchurch.org.